his snowboarding is informed by the totality of life. He's relentlessly curious. So, you know, Travis is the person who's being inspired by quantum physics and sailing and reading philosophy and learning about vibrations and, you know, your ability to, to shift course at a cellular level by, by, by how you, you use your mind. You know, those are the things that he gets incredibly excited about. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show is part two of our interview with Sal uh, Maschella. If you missed part one, please go back and listen to everything he did with X Games and the Foundations and the Olympics in Sochi and everything he's done. But we're going to kind of pick up where we left off on our last episode, talking about, you know, Sal, I was asking what's a rookie mistake that people make in the action sports side of media, and you said showing up without a point of view. And what I kind of got out of there is like blending in with everybody else. Would you say it differently than that? No, that's perfect. So when we were talking about this idea, like I've had, hey, maybe Greystoke should, you know, we should come out with some like family of action, you know, and just take these guys who are no longer like punk 17 year olds. But now we've got kids, we're raising kids and we don't want to quit the sport just because we're in our 30s or 40s or, you know, look at Tony Hawk and these guys in their 50s, right? Yeah. I mean, the Birdman just probably signed his most lucrative deal to date in the middle of a pandemic with Vance and he's 52 years old. Yeah. You know, and I look, you know, it was such a highlight for me to meet him the day that I met you. And it's funny, I'm, I'm turning 40 in a couple months, you know? Yeah, it's real. Welcome. Welcome aboard. We've been waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so I, I think when you think about something like this, what would be so maybe we've passed the first test. We are showing up with a point of view. What, what's the next, next most likely mistake that you see people make trying to break into this space? The next, the next mistake that I see is people working way too hard to try and make their content perfect. Hmm. And because of that, they end up holding back and being afraid to fail. And the only way that you're going to figure out what your voice is is to fail regularly. That's how you hone it. That's how you, you shape it and you get your point of view. You got to be willing to laugh at your mistakes and make them loudly. My uncle always says to me when I'm making music, when, like he said something incredible to me before this live show that I was super, I was, I was petrified. It was one like our biggest show that we were going to play. He looked at me and he said, man, all you have to do is go up there and hit the right notes loud and the wrong notes louder. <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, oh, sh- wow. I'd never thought about it that way. And that to me like applies to, 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 to pretty much everything. Like fa- fail, fail loudly. People will, will, will love you all the more for it. But if, you, if, if people can smell that you're trying to like cater to them, you know, that you're pandering, nobody's going to have time for you. Well, I think about the advice you gave us there at the end of the episode. And, you know, as a 17-year-old, as a 16-year-old, you know, I think I had a lot of my net, my self-worth tied up in what tricks I could do or not do compared to the mm-hmm. other guys, you know? 
when you think about like this idea of a whole different conversation of, you know, now that you have kids and you don't want them to make the same mistakes you did, or now that you are twice as old as when you got into this sport, becoming more at home in your own skin, like there's opportunity for whole different meaningful conversations to that same core tribe who just happens to be 20 years older now, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think a lot of people walk away from walked away from the lifestyle prematurely because they were under, they were afraid to pivot. And I'll, I'll talk to people all the time. I'm like, why'd you stop? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I just I grew up like that's the dumbest answer ever. Yeah. You know, and, and where I grew up, I definitely see that. Right. But when I was in my early 20s, uh, I heard that Huntington Beach had the most consistent waves. So me and my newlywed wife. <laughs> moved to Huntington Beach with like one month of a studio apartment rent in our pocket, right? Found a job. <laughs> and I got to hang out with all these people who their dads and their dad's dads surfed with them. And it was like this multi-generational thing. And then we moved to San Clemente, same thing there, you know? And it's like inspiring to me of like, you look at magazines like the Surfer's Journal, right? And mm. it's not just about youth rebellion. It's like this deep, to me, it's like this deeper core element that you can be 50 and the, the surfer's journal speaks to you or you can be 15 and the speaker's surfer's yes. journal can speak to you kind of thing yes um, well okay if we ever pull this off we'll have to figure out how we can like you know give stoked some free advertising in it or you know bring bring you guys with us if we ever pull this off i'm 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 hip to it dude i i i think there's a massive opportunity there especially when it comes to 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 people generating you know wealth for their families it's it's such a it's such a good lens into what that story is. That gets me that gets me excited. And it's funny you mentioned that generational feel that you got when you moved to to Huntington Beach because when I moved to Carlsbad to North County of San Diego, Carlsbad, Encinitas, Cardiff, I was really lucky that that's where my family moved to from the East Coast. And like I was late to the party. I started surfing it at you know almost seventeen. But the kids that I was learning to surf from their their dads and their mom surfed and in many cases their grandparents surfed and it was like a legacy lifestyle activity that they already thought of as like no I'm going to do this for the rest of my life you know not not because I'm on some team well and I can see how again back to your your organization stoke.org I can see how that like you know, I'm so I'm halfway between where I grew up in Canada and where we lived in Southern California for years. And we we bought a place out in the mountains, kind of, uh, we've got an acre outside of Park City, kind of halfway between Park City and, and uh, Sundance, right? Mm. And we're like busy building, digging jumps in our, our yard. I bought a yard that's like really on a slant on the side of the mountain here so we can dig jumps into our backyard, right? And right, for snowboarding and mountain bikes. <laughs> yep. And we're clearing Sick. out this crappy shed that came on this property so we can put a mini ramp in it and stuff, right? And I go into town and near us, there's a, there's a ton of Hispanic community and they don't really mix a lot. Like, you know, being anywhere near Park City means property values are going up and there's a lot of wealth and lots of entrepreneurs and lots of people who have figured out the game around here, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't connect a lot with the Hispanic community. And so I've been thinking like, could we run business classes and try and, you know, try and start mixing, right? But what you're talking about is like, anyways, we might need a stoked chapter here for all these like ski bums and, you know, snowboarders and people that moved to Park City to start bringing those kids with us. And like, I don't know, give them the windshield of what's possible. The windshield of what's possible is, uh, is a really great way of, of expressing it. And that's the thing I think that sometimes 
people in position of privilege that don't take the time to get to know people within other cultures in this country, they they miss out on understanding the challenges that different people face because of systemically how things are set up in America. It's very easy for people to remain closed off and not want to look at how we've got here, gotten here as a country so that they can feel like everything they've done was was earned and other people are lazy, et cetera, et cetera. All, all the, the, the noise and dialogue that we hear on a regular basis in this country. But when you decide like, hey, I'd like to get to know this community, A, and see if there's a way that I can provide access to this thing that brings me so much joy that would probably do the same for them and give us some opportunity that's when we start to engage and we, we find these like natural, unforced ways in which we can learn about each other. And, you know, when we when we were in Utah for the Woodward opening at, at Park City, mm-hmm. that was one of the things that, that actually like really made me smile was that Woodward is making an effort to provide access to local communities of 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 color and uh, those who are financially challenged to give access to those to those communities to be a part at Woodward. I was so stoked to see those kids there on opening day, and that they had gone out of their way to make sure that these kids could have access to this experience. Because I mean, it's 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 like you said, like when you think back to how snowboarding helped shape you as a as a person, as a kid, like you remember that. Like once you got to experience that, your whole manner in which you look at the world changed like it altered (laughs) the manner your entire worldview changed its its shape and lens and i i try to always explain it to people like think about it that way think about it as 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 giving people an opportunity at this this lens that helps shape how you look at life like outside of just doing the thing which is amazing it just changes the way that you you look at and experience life and helps you craft you know what your what your values are going to be as a as a human being for the rest of your existence for this very short blip that we're here you know it's so true. I know, you know, I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but <laughs> quick tangent on story for me, because it, what you said just brings it up so much. I remember being like this punk kid reading Transworld, reading Snowboarder, thinking like, I'm going to, I'm going to do cliffs one of these days. You know, and we're near the Canadian Rockies. We had access to that stuff, right? But we were kids and that's scary, you know? And so I would like talk a good game while we're skating all summer. And then the winter would come and go and I really hadn't done anything of size. Right. And I remember being like, 16 and finally saved up enough money for a season's pass working crappy construction jobs all summer. And at West castle, which is called castle mountain. Now we went over to these, this big cliff band. It looked big to us. It was probably, you know, 20 feet or something. Right. But I remember saying, when we get a good powder dump, I'm going to do that this year. And we got this great dump, you know, a couple months later and it's ringing in my ears that I'd said that publicly. So we go over to it and I was just shocked that I was still so scared. I was like, I thought I'd mentally prepared for this. Why am I so scared? Mm. You know? And it was like this, like, I don't know, call it a defining moment or something in life when I realized like, oh, it's not about not being scared. It's about just doing it anyways. And and so I went for it and my toe edge right behind my back foot caught a rock right when I was going off the lip. It had just kind of poken up through the wind lip. And I ended up doing like a Superman I'm looking up, except it's straight down and I'm seeing rocks at the bottom <laughs> and magically I, you know, I do enough of a, be- I do enough of a roll to do a big back flop in the fresh powder past the rocks. Right. And I lived mm. and it's funny. It was like a turning, I mean, it sounds so cliche or I don't know what it sounds like, but 
it was like a turning point in life of like, that it's not about not being scared. Anyway. Yeah, man. What a valuable, what a valuable lesson. I mean, life is, life is hard. It's hard. It's really, really, really hard. And I think you need moments like the one you just described. Your relationship with fear is altered from, from that point moving forward. And now you actually have a, a re, you're able to have a healthy relationship with fear as opposed to just being afraid to be afraid. It's like, what do you do with the fear? You talk to any big wave surfer, you talk to, you know, I just did a, a, a live viewing of Art of Flight, the, the, the Brain Farm Red Bull Travis extravaganza Rice movie. Yeah. with Travis, Travis, my, Travis Rice movie. And I had Travis Rice on with me, he, he Mark Landvik, um, and a bunch of other really great pro snowboarders. And one of the questions we asked in, in, in the viewing of the film was about, about fear. And, you know, Travis and all of the writers just lit up and talked about this grow this this relationship with fear and and how cultivating a relationship with it and accepting it allows them to 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 formulate it into actually like a power like a, being able to use fear as a fuel and an, and a power to do the things that they actually give gives you the ability to see possibility in a way that you wouldn't be able to without that relationship with fear and that can be applied to the totality of life yeah, almost that heightened sense of awareness almost gives you a superpower, huh? Yeah. You know, so I'm the, you know, hugest Travis Rice fan. I think he's the best snowboarder alive these days. My nine-year-old for Halloween dressed up as Travis Rice. Like we're, I, you know, I got Travis Rice boots, Travis Rice snowboard. Like we're, That's we're, awesome. nerds, we're Travis Rice nerds around here, right? What do you think is so different about him? What do you think, you know, there's so many amazing snowboarders, but you know him. You've you've watched his career. You've spent time with him. What do you think is different about him? Ooh, I think that what makes Travis different from the rest of his peers in snowboarding is that his snowboarding is informed by the totality of life. He's relentlessly curious. So you know, Travis is the person who's being inspired by quantum physics and sailing and reading philosophy and learning about vibrations and you know your ability to to shift course at a cellular level by 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 how you you use your mind you know those are the things that he gets incredibly excited about and studies and wants to experience and you know buys a sailboat and learns how to sail around the world and then goes takes that and when the snow falls shows up on his snowboard and you're just like, wait, what, 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 what's happening? Like this, he's on another planet and that's his fuel. I mean, obviously like Travis has, he has a natural ability. He was, a, a, could have been a world-class gymnast if he'd wanted to, but ability only takes you so far. Talent only takes you so far and it's how you a, a, apply and stimulate that talent. And what I've always loved about Travis is that his curiosity and what, where he gets inspired to perform in his element comes from so many different elements of the world. And I think it's why we've been able to watch him grow and mature. And he, he's this guy who's constantly being like, okay, I have another vision. I need to figure out how to execute because that's the kind of thinking that he interacts with in different planes across the spectrum. You know, it's interesting. Again, there have been so many super talented guys that rose right to the top and then we kind of don't hear about him anymore. Right. Yeah, and, he, and he, yeah. With Travis, like everything you just said, you know, for people who don't follow the sport, maybe as well as you and I do, maybe they don't see all that. But I look at ultra natural and supernatural, these contests that he's built, you know, like 
that word you used relentless really shows up there. You know, like look at like the, like the fearless creativity. I mean, how many snowboarders have you heard whine about how the ski federations have ruined the contest and the, this, you know what I mean? Right. Versus how many do you see go out and vent something like supernatural or ultra natural? Yeah. He, he's never seen, he looks at himself as the gatekeeper, you know, and and it doesn't give the power to other people as gatekeepers. And he, he says, Hey, you are the gatekeeper of whatever it is that you want to do. And, you know, he's, you, you mentioned supernatural, ultra natural, and now natural selection where he's essentially building. uh, He wants to reinvent the way we look at big mountain riding as, as from a, from a, from a, like a world tour of, multi-stop event lifestyle deal and he wants to create an opportunity for riders to transition from no longer being the coolest kid on the block to being able to extend their careers and really showcase the culture of big mountain riding so he's like okay no one else is going to reinvent it so we're going to reinvent it and it's what he's doing and the people that he aligns himself with to execute these visions. And he's one of those people like you, you look at Art of Flight. That movie took two and a half years to film. Up until that point, like if you said that you were going to film a snowboarding movie over the course of anything other than one season, no one was going to give you money. Yeah. And it's the same thing with with natural selection. He went out and, and found partners from and, and people who, who know how to build franchises in other sports and other industries so that he can partner his vision and, and not be the, the smartest person in the room to, to build the thing, you know, and, and that's, that's just such a, it's such a cool thing to observe somebody who is like, by all accounts, most of the time, the smartest person in the room, he doesn't have to be, he knows that he can't be if he wants to make the things uh, that he wants to, to create a reality. I love it. Well, you know, you've had such an interesting career or such an amazing career in the, in the industry I'm interested in. What are, who are some of the other pros or what are some of the other experiences that have stood out the most to you? Or like, who do you like spending time with? I really, I'm, I'm blown away by Kelly Slater. He's the Travis Rice of surfing or Travis Rice is the Kelly Slater of snowboarding. <laughs> And they are very similar in, in Kelly's really similar in that his 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 everything that he's applied to surfing is inspired by a whole whole host of of other things. And you know, if you look at what he's done to to spearhead the the wave, the taking the wave pool idea and going from you know it being the butt of a joke from from an 80s movie you know and the rick kane story into like no i'm going to figure out how to make world-class surfing waves artificially and i'm going to do it over the course of a decade and and make it come to fruition and change the world like literally change the world like started an arms race essentially in artificial wave making while also continuing to be at 48 years old, arguably still one of the best surfers on the planet and being relentless about studying longevity and and bucking the idea that like, oh, I'm at a certain age now, I need to retire or I'm, I'm, I'm no longer going to be able to do this with my body. Instead, he's like, I'm going to figure out how I can continue to build a relationship with my body um, where I can perform at the highest levels when I need to and buck the idea that like age should be the limiting factor just because, you know. Yeah. I'm fascinated with 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 someone like that who decides that you know they they leave the biggest surf brand uh, on earth 
at Quicksilver, where they are the cornerstone of, of, of the franchise and the company, because they don't he doesn't want to make disposable clothing anymore that is harmful to the environment. And so he goes out on a limb and starts out of known and gets lapped at by the surf industry because the first time he, he puts out clothing, it's incredibly expensive. But over the course of like seven years, six, seven years, has finally convinced people like, oh, the idea of sustainable clothing that like looks good, feels good, lasts longer and doesn't harm the environment is actually a success now. And his his brand is thriving. Like, you know, people who are, are great at their one thing, but don't use that greatness just for that thing, but use it to to expand and and take chances and pursue dreams to make a difference in change. I'm fascinated by, by, by people like that. And Kelly's definitely, he's that dude. You know, again, it brings me back to what you said at the end of our last episode about being more concerned with who we are instead of what we do being who we are, you know, mm. look, mm. the guy is the Michael Jordan of a sport at, you know, billion dollar Quicksilver, right? If, if that's who he thought he was, how much fear is there about ever losing that, let alone intentionally walking away from it, right? Yes, 100%. And we've, I've watched plenty of other athletes hold on until they literally like had their fingers r- ripped off to let go, like instead of just letting go and and seeing boldly what's pursuing on the, other the next side. thing. Yeah, p- p- pursuing the next thing, and, and it's it's a tough thing to do, in, especially in these industries where you know your image is is and your shelf life is very short for anyone to to be the coolest kid on the block like it's it's impossible and you if 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 you let if you let those moments sort of define you they god they're just so crushing and limiting and i've seen so many so many athletes across the board unfortunately not be equipped for when that day comes and they end up bitter and they end up not even like wanting to have a relationship with the thing that gave them so much anymore which is which is sad yeah. It's, it's it is pretty inspiring to see those folks who are boldly inventing their own future instead of just trying to hold on to the past because even though we'll never have their version of it, it's kind of like gives us permission to invent our own, right? Yeah. I mean, even for myself, like when I chose to leave ESPN in 2013, it was the scariest decision of my I like life. That. You know, I'm at the worldwide leader in sports. I've been there for 13 years. I've, I've, I've literally got a paid broadcasting and television education. I came in there with no college degree uh, and no broadcasting experience, just a whole lot of, of passion and knowledge and, and, and relationships. That was my capital. And they gave, they, we had this system where I, I, I shared everything that I, that I knew and I was passionate about, and they taught me how to be a professional. And it was my identity. If people saw me walking down the street and they didn't know my name, they'd be like, oh, you're that dude with the dreadlocks from the X Games. I love you. <laughs> and that always made you feel good. Like, you know, oh, yeah. that's Sal Masekela from the X Games, which was a big global brand. And making that choice to leave because I finally figured out what my value was outside of them telling me what my value was, was a pivotal moment in my life. And it, it began, it really began the ability for me to, to, to take my power back and not have it be in the hands of, of people who wrote me checks. And I'm super grateful for what that experience was. But if I had stayed, I would have been 
I would have been like I would have been like one of those elements, those 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 animals you see at the zoo that just kind of sits in the corner by itself. And then people are like, what's wrong with that with that one? I'm like, ah, he's doesn't really he just doesn't really enjoy being here. And I, I, I could see that that was what it was going to be. I was like, I could take the money and stay, but I'm going to be miserable and it's going to show in what I do on the screen. So I got to make a pivot. I, I, I need some new stimulation. And it was the best decision that I ever made. Well, congratulations on having the guts to make it. You know, my mother and my father, just I'm I'm really, really lucky that I I have parents where I watch them, watch them pivot and be forced to have to make tough decisions, but but do so from a place of really believing that there's more to life than what happened yesterday. I love it. I love it. Well, I want to put a plug for your new podcast. Tell, Tell us about this. Well, thank you. It's called What Shapes Us. And I've been pl- playing and toying with the idea of, of my own podcast for a couple of years, but really, really slow to to finally pulling the trigger. And I finally reached a point where I'm like, okay, I, I know what it is that I have to give in, in, in this vertical. And it's, it's, it's really about kind of going through my really cool landscape of, of very interesting humans in sports, in the arts in activism, in science, et cetera, and, and really taking a look at like the events that take place in people's lives that force them to choose who they are as a person in, as it relates to their passion. I think a lot of times we, we talk, it, we as a society have become very excited about people's success and how they maintain success but less apt to talk about the challenges, which are a constant, like you're constantly having to overcome to stay close to what you love. And it just feels like, for me, it feels like there's no better time than now to, to have those conversations because we are, as a society, collectively all facing challenges that we've, we'd never thought that we, we would probably experience in our lifetimes. And they, they're, they're going to affect uh, who we are today and who we are to, tomorrow uh, and how you, how you navigate that so that you can continue to, 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 to have joy, and take chances is exciting for, for me to talk about with people and, and, and an opportunity for, for me to finally open the door a little bit and tell more stories about how I've come up, you know, in, in, in the, the various, the various uh, little nuances that have, have made this journey what it is for me. And hopefully, you know, these kind of conversations can, people can find a, a way to really identify and, and be, be motivated for wherever they're at in their life. And I really want to commit, create community in this, thus this concept of, of what shapes us. Love it. Well, we're going to hold this episode. So by the time you guys are listening to this, that will be live. So everybody go check that episode out. Thank you. Yeah. The Instagram is what shapes us podcast. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to get it wrong to get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, folks, please go check out stoke.org. Check out Sal's new podcast. And thanks for listening. Bye now. Hey, that was-